Hello and welcome to the Fiercely Awakening Podcast. My name is Tanya Holcomb, and I'm grateful that you're joining me on a journey to honor your story, reclaim your power, and answer your soul's call for greatness. With conversations on self-love, true nourishment, and natural healing, featuring transformative stories of divine intervention, unshakable faith, and living life untethered, you'll be inspired and motivated to release what no longer serves you, pursue what you truly desire, and trust your path. No, it is no accident that you've arrived here. You seek truth, activation, and empowerment. Your seeking led you to exactly where you need to be. You are Fiercely Awakening. Welcome. And welcome back to the Fiercely Awakening podcast. I have such a treat for you today. I sat down earlier this week and interviewed Shannon Sadowski, and we talked about all things Fiercely Awakening and specifically uh, what it's like uh, for her to be living in today's world. Um, and there's just so much here. There's so much vulnerability. Uh, there's moments of true intensity. There's fire and passion. And I just know that this conversation is, you're going to feel it. It's going to move you. Shannon is the founder of Live Unprocessed, and her company and her passion is based with the intention to empower others to take control of their health through food, movement, and mindfulness. She is passionate about holistic health, bringing awareness to mental health and suicide prevention, and of course, collectively raising the vibration. Shannon is also a fiercely empowered mama, and I love that we tell a little bit of her story um, as it relates to becoming a mom and some of those early fears uh, that she experienced and how uh, becoming a femme really transformed that. She currently teaches food, movement, and mindfulness classes in studio and outdoors in downtown Rockford, Michigan, and also now offers programming virtually. So I just know, uh, again, that this interview is going to move you. And just a little backstory and how this came about is, you know, I really, um, as you know, uh, my business strategy is really what's in alignment. And I, you know, there's like 10% strategy. The rest of it is my untethered daily work. You know, what, what is it that I need to do today? Who is it that I need to call? And really just trusting the process. And I have been wanting uh, for to in- include more interview style uh, podcast and, and bring that to the show. And I got this email um, from Shannon and I just felt it like I full body felt it. And after reading it, I shot her a note and I said, hey, this this is huge. This is powerful. Would you be willing to come on the Fiercely Awakening podcast like ASAP and get this message out there? And she was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I am. Like, this is terrifying, but I'm willing to do it. And she showed up and that's how this whole conversation came at play. And we got done and I was like, oh my gosh, like that was even more powerful uh, than I knew it was possible for it to be. Like there's just so much here. So again, I just know so much that you're going to love it and enjoy it, but I always welcome your feedback and please feel free to check out uh, and get to know more about Shannon and how to find her and follow her in our show notes. 
All right, enjoy the show. Welcome, Shannon. I am so excited that you jumped on this opportunity to do this interview with me this week and get out this powerful message that you're sitting on. So thank you so much for saying yes and for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me this opportunity to share my story and our energy together. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, so tell us about you, like like all of you, your story, your passion, your awakening. There's just so much medicine in a person's story. Yeah. Well, uh, so it's always really difficult <laughs> to talk about myself or just kind of tell you about me. Um, I'm a wife and a mother to a truly amazing little two-and-a-half-year-old boy who changed my world, um, as probably a lot of moms, you know, uh, that he inspires me every day to just embrace who I am and embrace myself so that I can model and teach him to embrace who he is. So that has been, you know, something that that really has led me in my life today, just in the last two and a half years, to send my energy into the world, into a world that I want him to grow up in, that I want to live in. And um, he empowers me to really think critically and ask questions and make more aligned choices with my life uh, in, in our health and everything mm-hmm. because I'm a mom. I have I have this big responsibility that I never had before. So, you know, um, that's, yes. that's a big passion and purpose, obviously, of mine. Um, and then I'm also the owner, the founder of Live Unprocessed. That's my business. And it's truly an extension of myself and my passion and as well as my family's passion. It's re- representative of who we are and how we want to empower ourselves and others, the freedom to live, to really live our best lives in happiness mm-hmm. and happiness. includes like physical and mental and emotional health. Uh, I feel like when those are in balance, you can really just live. Um, yeah, so so mm-hmm. this has all really evolved since I founded that in 2012, Live Unprocessed, and without knowing where this was really going to take me, um, the three concepts that I wanted to use for Live Unprocessed, which also have evolved with me, are food and movement and mindfulness. And it's it's just a, a view of my journey in life and how this um, evolves into really living unprocessed. So I started personally with movement. To give you a little background about me, um, I joined a women's gym when I was 15. A friend asked me, and I think this was at the time just a mode of survival for me because I was having some challenges mm-hmm. with anxiety and different mental health concerns that, you know, I didn't understand at the time. But movement, I found, gave me a healthy escape to to feel okay, I guess. Um, and I know we'll get into my story with mental health later, but it was a healthy escape at the time. And it maybe evolved a little bit more into not so healthy, but that was part of my journey. So I went to college. I got my bachelor's. Mm-hmm focused on exercise science, and I wanted to bring uh, movement and physical health into other people's lives. And uh, through that, I, I found out as a personal trainer, I really became kind of an unqualified therapist for people. So uh, people would come in mm-hmm. for their workout, and I turned into like their support system. I'm sure you can totally relate to this. Like I turned into their mental yes. health support system, you know? Um, and I realized that and I embraced that uh, and that, you know, 
kept leading me further into this. And I, at the time, was doing some nutritional coaching too because when people are working out, they also want to know what to eat, right? So uh, yes. I had a mainstream, terrible diet, you know? So I, uh, I started to experience some really significant health issues that were things I could no longer ignore. And that led me into digging deeper into nutrition and uh, I found holistic nutrition um, and once I started digging into this, I, I felt like this could answer some of my health issues. And although I wasn't ready to accept, uh, my mental health issues quite yet, um, I was very aware that my family, my parents and my brother were having some, all each completely different, like some mental health crises. And when I was reading about holistic nutrition, I found that, um, what a huge role that food plays, nutrition plays in mental health. Um, how your body adapts. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, with that, I, I felt like this is all kind of connected, you know, um, and moved to West Michigan. This kind of gives you another, a little bit more about me, but I moved to West Michigan after college and I noticed the environment was so much different than Southeast Michigan. Um, because I noticed people were more mm -hmm. in touch with moving and, uh, you know, physically moving their body and getting out in nature. There's so many more trails. The lakes are nearby. There's more lakes. Like Southeast Michigan, it was kind of uh, like concrete. Everything's concrete, you know? Um, and so I knew my family would never mm -hmm. really get out of their physical location to work on their mental health. And, and at the time I thought, you know, oh, well, I work out and I get outside. So this is what's helping me, you know? And, and I knew they weren't into that. So uh, I – as I dug into holistic nutrition and and that just just a little bit, it was first just a little taste. I thought, okay, well, this is my way where I can connect with them, maybe give them some different things to eat, and that is gonna you know help their mental health. Because as I was you know in West Michigan, I could see it from a different scope. I could see you know that's what I was living in. Mm -hmm. People were just angrier or more um, uh, reactive, I guess. And once I zoomed out, I saw, oh, I, I feel differently. So yeah, that's kind of, um, this is what led me to move to Boulder, Colorado. I just felt a calling. I quit my job. I packed up. I moved to Boulder and I enrolled in a natural food chef program. Um, I decided I was just going to live off my savings. And, you know, I had so many amazing experiences there. And this was the first time I ever really just took the leap to follow my intuition, which I didn't necessarily understand at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and that is where, yes. yeah, right. <laughs> So that's where I found like the mindfulness component um, when I was there because I was out in this environment where the mountains, you know, physically the mountains were bigger than me and I felt this energy, yes. you know, mm -hmm. that I never felt before. I had never been out west. You know, I didn't I didn't know this existed, right? And and then I was put in touch with a lot of people in the holistic health community that I didn't even know existed, you know. Um, I really – that's where I started to embrace like what we put in and on our body uh, – and what's toxic in our environment is also creating toxicity in ourselves. And that includes like toxic mm -hmm. activity or the energies of the environment um, that we need to be mindful. This is like the component where I, it like opened my mind, opened my perspective where I was like, oh, wow, this is bigger. So my mental health could be tying into my, you know, physical health. You know, this, this is where it all started to tie together for me and make sense. So as I was finishing up my program there, I started, I, I decided I was going to start this business called Live Unprocessed. And I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> um, and that 
it was it was going to um, allow me to to connect with people with food and fitness and um, start to tie in mindfulness. So I guess that's my way of kind of giving you my journey. And not only is this like now my business, but it's what I do. Like it's it's I strive to cultivate a lifestyle of truly living in my truth of what is healthy and um, no longer you know, being processed and it's more than processed foods, but uh, living with unprocessed thoughts, being able to connect with myself and my thoughts and see where those thoughts are coming from, understand what my truth is and where my beliefs are coming from. So that's, that's the side of the unprocessed. So um, I wanted to start to dig into where my normal habits, I guess, like what are habits? What's common? What are beliefs that I've created that don't align with my mm-hmm. soul and my intuition and my purpose in life? And, and what are, what, what is my beliefs, my core beliefs? So every day um, in my business, I reflect on myself, like, am I living this? Do I live unprocessed? And mm-hmm. I think that's been mm-hmm. the toughest part of this journey. So over the last decade, even just especially in the last five years, just reflecting and acknowledging in the spaces I need to grow so that as I teach this, I'm learning the areas where I need to embrace exactly what my purpose is, what I feel in my heart, and so that I can I can live this alongside what I'm teaching. And, you know, that's why the best way to talk about myself is to talk about live unprocessed because it has been such a journey for me. And that's why I'm so passionate about all of this is because I've been able to meet people like you, you know, like meet people in the holistic health community mm-hmm. that are inspiring me and teaching me. And I can continue to tie that into what I'm teaching others. So um, my awakening really has been evolving all of this time. And yeah, yes. it brought me here, right here where I am in sending out the email that brought us to this podcast. So yeah. Yes. Oh, I just got chills. I can so relate to that. You know, it's these businesses or these names are such energies that choose us. And if we're willing to say yes, um, they really are here for an embodiment for us to evolve through that. And I can relate so deeply to that because Love Yourself Fiercely was the platform that chose me. And I can tell you that I understand what that means at a whole new level from when that first came to be right. Yeah. It's like it it went from this like idea of self-care to this frequency. And I wasn't ready for the frequency aspect of that conversation then. But like we both have we both are women of integrity who are saying, if I'm going to teach this and I'm going to live this, and not even recognizing that it's it's really just been an offering, an invitation, if you will, for us to stretch ourselves, for us to evolve and how these names um, that have chosen us have both brought us to this place in time. I just find that so profound and so poetic and so beautiful. And it's like all the feels, you know, Um, just to witness that. Open to that whole process. Um, That has been hard for me just to see, you know, oh, wow. You know, I thought I was living this and now uh, there's always another step forward. And yeah, that's, that's yes. an eye-opening and it's also really empowering. So awakening. <laughs> yes. You know, so the, this email uh, that, that we've mentioned a couple of times now uh, that hit my inbox, 
Um, you know, I, I don't subscribe to emails unless I have a desire to read them. And so I always open the email and at least skim it. Right. And, and then when I feel the energy, it's, it's a, it's a like pull in. Right. And there was definitely an energy that was very much so like, do not look away. You need to read this email in its entirety. And I'm so thankful I did because again, that's, that's why we're here. But there's something that struck me as a mom of a Mm seven-year-old and I, oh, just gives me chills thinking about, and I, and I read in that first thing that you mentioned having suicidal thoughts at the age of seven. And I was just like, it, it, it hit me just like it's hitting me now. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about this. Talk yeah. to us about this. It hits me the same way every time. Um, just putting it in writing was a huge healing step for me, but also uh, chilling, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. as you said, you open the email and you could feel the energy of the email. And that means so much to me because this literally was a calling. This is nothing I have ever spoken about out loud uh, publicly. I um, I brought this up with a therapist that I work with um, maybe three years ago, and that is the only time I've ever spoken about it. Um, I mentioned it to my husband when I read the diaries. Even though I knew they existed, it was like punching me in the face looking at the date, yes. the date that it started and yes. doing the math and realizing how old I was. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess if I – I'll dig into um, – the suicidal thoughts a little bit. So just putting a label on it, I think is, um, is eye opening because, uh, I, I talked about wanting to die, you know, and, uh, the ways that I thought that I could do it and the pros and cons of if I, uh, continued. So, and this was of a seven-year-old, a seven-year-old thinking of this. So, you know, writing about it was, uh, the way a seven-year-old was, would express this, which is, you know, shocking. It's shocking. And that is why I put it in the first sentence mm-hmm. of the email because I felt like where this is going, like this is what was coming to me in the night. Like I woke up crying and I, I thought I need to tell someone this story for a bigger purpose, not because, hey, uh, yes. I, I had my husband read the email and say, can you please make sure that my reason for sending this is um, coming out and it's not a, hey, guess what? I had these thoughts, you know? Um, I wanted to be supportive to others right now. So um, I was a happy child. I had a, a, you know, from overall a good childhood. Of course, there was some dysfunction involved. Um, I don't know. I never wrote about why. Why I had the suicidal thoughts, what triggered them, but they existed. And um, I I always uh, was someone who wanted to take on, um, almost take on the pain of others because I had this thought. So the only thing I wrote about in the why was um, why I would live another day, um, why I would go to school tomorrow, or why I would, you know, do whatever it was I was supposed to do the next day, almost like I'm going to wait today because sort of thing. And it was Mm -hmm. because um, Mm -hmm. always had something to do with I need to show up for this kid at school that's been sitting by himself and he, I know he's feeling, he's suffering. He's suffering too, you know, in the way a seven-year-old would say that. But uh, yeah, so I always wanted to show up for someone else and it wasn't my friends. It wasn't my friend group. I was popular. I had a lot of friends. Um, 
it was always for someone else. The lady that walked down my street every day and we would pass and I would look at her and smile. For some reason, I felt like if I looked in her eyes Mm. and I smiled, it looked like it uplifted her because she looked so sad, you know, or, uh, you know, those were the reasons. It was human connection. The human connection that I felt was almost like my purpose in my heart as a young child, that was why I told myself I didn't have to do it today. And that's the only way I can describe it, you know? And I said in the email, it was like me looking at them and smiling or sitting next to them and saying, I see you, I hear you, I love you. And ultimately, I think that's what I wanted to hear too. And not that, I mean, my family said I love you and things, but in my heart, it was like no one could really understand what was going through me or what suffering was happening with me because I didn't understand it. And I, um, I, the first, the, I think, um, Brene Brown maybe said something about comparative suffering. And this is just something recently that I read and it all connects with this, but I think in, in my head, cause, cause this is how I relate it now even, but, um, I felt like whatever was going on with me wasn't as bad as what the other kid had, or wasn't as bad as my friend that told me about, you know, the sexual abuse she was suffering from her uncle that she couldn't tell anyone about, you know? So it it was things like that where I felt like they are really suffering. I don't know why I am suffering, but I know this person is suffering. So I don't deserve the same compassion as they deserve, as what I'm giving to them. And so I felt like no one could understand my perspective of of why I was suffering or how I was suffering because I didn't deserve um, the compassion, you know? And I I think that is, is a concept that I carried through my life uh, like a heavy weight for, for years. I mean, until literally recently, probably until Friday when I sent out the email and let this go. I think that's probably the first time that I, I realized like, I might be telling myself that I deserve compassion, but I don't believe it until I sent this out into the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there, you know, as with my naturopathic hat on, right, like we can go into all the potential root causes of, of this suffering, yeah. right? Of, yeah. of, you know, was there an amino acid deficiency? Was the yes. the gut terrain off? All these things. Yes. But hearing you talk from that wisdom, it just, it reminds me, and I'm not saying this is true for you, but it reminds me of just this understanding and knowing that there's so many children that have come into the world mm-hmm. um, as part of our planet's healing who are highly empathic. And it yeah. it's having that kind of love and compassion that you did as a seven-year-old it almost makes me think like you were absorbing all these, these traumas around you. And, and the journaling was like the release of that in many ways, right. Of like this absorbing process. And again, that's not necessarily true for you, but I know that's true for a lot of adults now who are identifying that they were medicated or they were this and that. And now they see like, I was just empathic. Like I didn't know what was my feelings and what was somebody else's feelings. And so therefore it all felt like mine. Right. I definitely. Um, So just curious, do you identify? Oh, go go ahead. Oh no, no. Same thing. I was going to say, cause you mentioned like from a naturopathic perspective and just even learning from you and from all the knowledge I have now and looking back, I, um, I was premature. I was, 
um, taken away from my mom initially to be in the NICU, you know, like these, these are all things that I think, uh, I'll go by quickly, but Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, never had experienced breastfeeding because they told my mom, um, I, you know, needed this special formula. And, uh, I, so I never Mm. experienced connection in that way. Um, uh, I had a lot Mm -hmm. of digestive issues, a lot of, um, ways that my body was expressing, uh, imbalance, uh, acne. I had, um, anemia my entire life. I had, um, frequent ear infections, strep throat, mono, um, chronic things that, you know, they would just tell my mom to give me medicine or, you know, insomnia, serious anxiety that, you know, my family wasn't big believers in, uh, therapy, I guess it just, you know, we were, my mom wasn't, they, they didn't grow up knowing about that or believing in it, you know? And so looking back, there are so many factors, um, physically, like I wasn't absorbing yes. nutrients. I wasn't, I was, you know, coming home and hiding in my room. I wasn't getting sunlight. I lived in a concrete, uh, mm-hmm. jungle essentially in, in Southeast mm-hmm. Michigan where I wasn't experiencing grounding from outside as much. Like I would ride my boats, yes. but I never put my feet on the grass you know, um, mm. a lot of chemical components of my, my dad has always been in the auto industry, you know, so gasoline oh, is just yeah. a normal smell for yeah. me. You know what I mean? So yes. there's so many components yes. that could have, um, tied into why I was having these thoughts, but these are things that I never, you know, would have, uh, connected in the past. Um, right. so yeah. Right. And, and ju- I love, I love how you just framed all of those. It's so important that we, you know, look deeper, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why there's, you know, my passion and my platform, and I know we share is to do this preventative work now, you know, to, to really fill in the gaps of these deficiencies in our lineage and address the toxicities that are here so we can have greater assimilations of our foods and, and all of those things. Um, but do you, just out of curiosity, do you identify with being empathic? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, so yeah. I have, uh, met with a therapist now for a few years too. And she, uh, she is not, uh, she's, she's awesome, but she's not necessarily connected in the holistic health community. You know, she's, she's a therapist and she's really great at what yes. she does, but her, uh, she has said to me multiple times, I feel like you just have a sixth sense, like a sixth sense where you're so mm. empathetic that you, uh, yes. no one has to say it. You see them and you feel it and you absorb it. Yes. And, and that's coming from someone who is not yes. uh, an energetic healer, you know? Uh, so right. I think it's probably true. I do. I always um, felt it, but I never knew if it was real, you know? <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, I I just oh yeah, I just love the full circle connection and and as you can see this is this is why um as moms, you know, us our children often are those um part of those pivotal moments for us where we like we want to make sense of things, like we want to go deeper, we want to dig, we don't want to just accept things as the way they are because we're looking for the root causes of things and you just painted the picture of so many different aspects compounded mm-hmm. that would certainly manifest in this way of great confusion yeah. in your mind, right? Yeah. Of this, 
this just dispersed energy of, of desire. And uh, I just find that just so, so incredibly fascinating. I hope you all listening feel that too. Um, And so, so you grow up and about five and a half years ago, you go through an incredible, difficult loss. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So I'll get a little emotional here, but my um, father died by suicide um, five and a half years ago. And I would say that was the most difficult time in my life. So, and, and for surprising, uh, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, losing my dad was so hard. He was, uh, I was really close to him. We had, when I was growing up as a teenager, I think we were so much alike that we did butt heads a lot. Um, but as I grew into my adult Mm -hmm. life, um, we had an understanding of each other. So, um, I was the last person that my dad talked to before he died. Um, and it was via text because, uh, is similar to me, he must have felt more comfortable reaching out in writing than in speaking. Um, we had talked many times uh, just in the few months prior to him taking his life, and we never directly talked about suicide, but indirectly, I think he knew that I knew what he was telling me, that he was suffering. And I remember looking in his eyes the last time, even like the last time that I saw him. And this was a few months before he passed away because he lived in Southeast Michigan. And I, um, you know, my lifestyle was to consume myself in my work. And that is exactly what he did his whole life is that he consumed himself in his work. And that was a way for us to ignore our pain, I think. Um, And so I remember looking in his eyes and feeling his pain, but not knowing what to do. Like I knew it was at a point of needing to change and I didn't know what to do. So I just made myself available if he ever wanted to talk to me. Um, And so uh, Mm -hmm. I always, my entire life, I think I can look back and remember in the night waking up if if my phone, my mom's phone rang because, you know, everything was connected. Like uh, we didn't have cell phones then, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if the phone rang and and all the phones in the house rang, you know, waking up and I remember being terrified that that was the day my dad was going to die. And, and I know this is weird, but uh, I, it is true. It's true. And I can't deny it that I always had this feeling that my dad was going to take his life. And I think that was because of that connection. Mm -hmm. When I looked in his eyes and I knew how I felt, I feel like I knew Mm -hmm. my dad's whole life. He struggled with the same thoughts. And, um, yes, when my dad, uh, so, and this is again, energetic, I feel like, but when my dad was sending me the text messages and we were talking via text that night before he said something about, you know, if, you know, something about if he wasn't there or something, cause this was like a couple months before my wedding. Um, he, uh, I, I just knew, I felt like he is having these thoughts that this is something is happening, you know, and I kept asking if I could call him and he would say no and he, we would text. So, um, uh, he, I remember Googling on my phone, I was praying and I Googled on my phone, a prayer you could say for someone who is having suicidal thoughts. And, um, there was nothing. The only prayers that came up were for someone who died by suicide and I prayed those prayers, mm-hmm. and I prayed those prayers in the exact moment that my dad mm-hmm. took his life. 
Ooh, that's so sad. Mm. <laughs> okay, so um, I fell asleep mm. and my phone was on my chest and my phone rang and I knew it was my brother or it was my brother and I looked at my phone and I answered it and he was trying to come up with words and I, I remember saying, just say it because I knew. And I think that yeah. was uh, uh, difficult for me to process because it was hard for me to connect with people, other survivors of suicide, even my family, because they were so shocked, you know, and I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't shocked. And I felt guilty about that at first. Um, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, so this this was the most difficult time in my life to try to find where I connected now and accept that my dad had passed away. And this was the time where I had to accept that my mental health was also not where I thought it was. So uh, at this time, I had already done my mm-hmm. – um, my nutrition, uh, my uh, natural food chef program. I was working in Grand Rapids at uh, the downtown market, which is was a new building that was all about food and community. Um, and I was working out and working with people uh, through physical health, and and I was working all the time. And this is where I I think, you know, my dad's death saved my life in a lot of ways because it made me have mm. terms with my where I was, my mental health, even though my physical health was improving, there was this mindfulness piece that I was not accepting, um, accepting what Mm -hmm. my, uh, what the communication of my mind and my body were trying to tell me. Why, why did I need to stay busy? Why did I not sleep at night? Why did I have to have my phone next to my bed? You know, um, there was, there were a lot Mm -hmm. of things, but um, so after my dad passed away, I started working through things. I, you know, I was checking things off the list. I tried to develop a better relationship with mm-hmm. my mom. I, I uh, started seeing a therapist, but, you know, looking back, I, I wasn't ready. Um, and on the and this is, I think, could be considered ironic, but I don't think that there's really, I think everything has a purpose. <laughs> um, yes. but, there's no such thing as coincidence. Right, yes. exactly. So, um, on the anniversary of the one year anniversary of my dad's death, I found out I was pregnant. Um, and I didn't think that I could get pregnant for many reasons. And that is probably a whole nother conversation, but it has to do with uh, a lot of reproductive health issues that um, stemmed from uh, my my path, even from uh, a journey with the HPV vaccination. So that's a whole nother conversation. But um, Eight or nine Mm -hmm. weeks after I found out I was pregnant, I miscarried. And that was devastating. So it was right after the first anniversary of my dad's death. They say that the first year you're frozen and then you begin to thaw out um, after suicide. And and then I experienced this other hugely traumatic loss. And um, this is what pushed me to go deeper in my healing and to understand, start understanding all of this communication of my body telling me, you need to stop. You need to get quiet and you need to listen. And um, this is the time that I started. I felt like it was a sign from my dad, almost like a sign from God, a sign from my dad, a sign from the universe, this energetic feeling like you're experiencing this other huge loss because your body needs you to pay attention. You know, your purpose needs you to pay attention, you know. 
And so Mm -hmm. I think that was truly like the turning point, you know, four and a half years ago, even though I had this live unprocessed business for, uh, you know, five years before that I was, this was it, you know? So, yeah. Yes. So. And, and that really speaks to the turning point of choosing you, like all of you, like embracing that shadow self of you working through the fears and the grief and the doubts and the worries and like all of those things that are so imperative um, for all of us to do, but especially right now, like we are in this sea of loss and grief and absolute chaos. And the invitation is, is here for us to do this work. And, and I can imagine it wasn't easy because I know it's not easy for me and it hasn't been easy for me, but it's the exact medicine that we need to like take ourselves to that next higher place, to that next upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of walk us through some of that, um, some of that work that you did to, to get through that. Yeah. So I, I got more serious about, um, meeting with a therapist, meeting with someone. I, I actually went to a few different therapists until I found someone that I felt like connected with me. And this allowed me to use my voice to start talking about where I was like, um, my beliefs and why, like they, it was just someone else to ask me the questions that I needed to ask myself. Um, it also with my miscarriage, um, spurred me to, and my experience, um, I I had not a great experience with, uh, the medical community. I, I had no connections with the medical community. I had a little bit of a falling out after, um, after, as I kind of talked about some, some responses to vaccinations that I probably didn't need to get. Um, well, I know mm-hmm. I didn't need to get, but uh, at the time I didn't know. I just followed the rules, you know? So, um, yes. uh, yeah, so I had a little uh, difficulty after the miscarriage having zero support from the um, medical community, I felt like, and I sought out actively naturopathic medicine. And this was something where I uh, – I always believed in it, but I didn't really have any connections. I, I didn't know where to go, you know. So I sought out uh, a naturopath, who you know, actually, um, who specialized in yes. <laughs> therapy because I thought I read about it and I thought, okay, well, maybe this is what I need to help me clear out everything that's left from this miscarriage. And um, yes, yeah. And so I met with her and, and my eyes began to open initially and um, – that that was where I kind of started connecting all these dots between therapy, between uh, getting deeper into yoga, between meditation, you know, all yes. of these different holistic care approaches. I started to tie them together. And then I think that was where I had this awakening, this realization of you need to embrace who you are and live that and, and accept it. I guess self-awareness to self-acceptance. Um, in order to mm-hmm. just live your beliefs, you know? So it was like I had this belief in the naturopathic community before this all happened, but I wasn't really a, uh, embraced in it. I, was, I wasn't – or not embraced, but really connected yeah. with it. It was like I knew it was there. I believed in yeah. it, but I wasn't invested. That's the word I'm looking for. I wasn't invested into – really listening to my own communication, my body's communication. I wasn't invested in any of it because I wasn't taking the time. And um, 
right. losing my dad and realizing he wasn't taking the time and that I was following some of the habits that he, you know, had followed. And then having this miscarriage and realizing, okay, you might have stepped back a little, but you need to step back a lot more, you know? And so I quit my job mm-hmm. and I I told myself I was going to use live on process as just a way to survive with, you know, make some money so I could pay my bills and focus on myself. So live on process, again, it was just like an extension of me that was allowing me to, you know, so to actually live. And uh, yeah, that that was my awakening point. And then um, shortly thereafter, probably another year and a half after the miscarriage, I got pregnant again. And this was a whole different experience, um, getting pregnant again and realizing uh, I had come so far in that year and a half um, after the miscarriage with um, listening to my body's communication that that first pregnancy would have never been the experience I had in the second one. So, yeah. Yes. Oh, so this is kind of where we get more introduced is yeah. – you become a mom and you stumble upon, so divinely, um, as always, a, a presentation that I had as an invitation to join Fiercely Empowered Mama. Yeah. And in that, uh, you know, in that webinar, I I speak to how, um, you know, we are not meant to live in fear of viruses and bacteria. And in fact, our focus should be on uh, radically shifting our terrain and supporting our terrain so that way we can have the harmonious relationship that's intended for us to have with um, with viruses uh, and bacteria and et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I just find that so fitting um, because you felt the pull to say yes, because you had recognized that you had some fears that as a new mom that you needed to work through. So walk us through a little bit of that experience of overcoming some of these, these fears that are so common for us as new moms. Yeah. So it's interesting that I had, um, you know, met you while I was, or before, maybe it was before my pregnancy. I had um, just known of you, you know, I, I was connected with you through different circles. Yes. And um, I knew of you and I think I even remember and I if my timeline, I'm pretty sure my timeline is right, I had um, reached out and you gave me just a little bit of information to because I was afraid of of giving birth as far as what it was going to look like in the medical mm. community. And I remember you um, graciously, I wasn't a client of yours. We didn't know each other well, but we knew each other through other people. And um, you sent me just some information about how to support my body um, postpartum and uh, just some things I could do. And I thought, oh, wow, like this, you know, I'm going to use this. And then uh, my son was a few months. <laughs> I don't even remember yeah, this. I know. I know. Because it was it was like we weren't connected, but you, uh, you know, you're like, oh, I'll, I can send you this because it was work you've done with people you were connected yeah. with, you know? So, um, yes. so it was like I, again, yes. like I was invested in my own healing, but I had never experienced it as a mother, you know? So, so this was kind of – Mm-hmm. Me, I, obviously, I dip my toe in the water first, and then before I take the leap, uh, until yes. now, now I'm just taking leaps. Yes. So <laughs> I'm taking leaps all over the place. Yes, <laughs> but right. So, um, I uh, 
I had kind of known of you then. And then my son ended up, I had had my son naturally. It was a beautiful uh, birth experience and everything. I had, a, I, I did have a natural birth in the natural birthing room at the hospital, but then I was moved into the uh, just regular maternity ward. And then I had some more few bad experiences where I, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't showing up uh, just to, they, they told me my son's blood sugar was low at one point and they wanted to give him glucose and everything in me told me, no, I kept saying, no, no, no. They had a pediatrician come in and lecture me about how my son could go into a seizure and go, um, I, they'd have to take him away and put him in the NICU. And I was crying, like bawling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fine, give him the glucose, you know? And, um, that looking back was again not standing in my truth. I knew he didn't need it. And when my midwife came in, she was, yes. she was pissed. You know, she was like, "Why? Like, yeah. Why he didn't?" They taught we talked about his numbers, his levels, and and she would and she's you know a, a midwife, but she's also uh, a neutral approach, I guess. Um, and she was like, he "Yes, need right. it, And this is where you know there's a disconnect. So, but that reminded me, like I knew what was true. I knew he didn't need it, but. I, I was not standing in that truth. You know, I let someone push me into something mm-hmm. I didn't believe. And so then everything was mm-hmm. fine for a couple of months and he got his first cold. And I contacted um, the pediatrician and not, that didn't work out for me. And so I, I was just scared. I was living in fear, you know, and and um, I reached yes. out to you and you had me. Is This was the very first time I ever had an appointment with you or anything. So, um, But this is why you may not remember it because I came in and we had the appointment and even some things I remember asking you or saying to you, I wanted you to give me an allopathic cure. I wanted you to tell me how to get rid mm. of the because uh, I was scared he couldn't breathe at night. I, and and you gave me yes. um, what I needed, but at the time I think I wasn't ready to accept all of it because I believed what you were saying. I believed everything mm-hmm. you were saying and I felt um, really drawn to what you were saying, but I didn't know how to do it because I was so afraid of this congestion, you know? Um, yes. And, and so – so I slowly, like over months, started to incorporate the protocol that you gave me. So you gave me this protocol to incorporate immediately, you know, and I, it <laughs> took months literally to just start to one at a time. I wanted to do things one at a time because I wanted to learn about it and read about it and whatever. Um, and, yes. and of course, we're in information overload, but it's difficult to find holistic information because mm-hmm. it's all uh, filtered underneath all of the conventional information. And so I was searching everywhere. Anyway, fast forward, I, I see your um, your presentation about, about viruses specifically and about terrain, the terrain that we have um, that, that – uh, you know, all of these stages, this congestion that I was so afraid of was part mm-hmm. of the stages of our body healing. And you you described those stages. Yes. You took us through those stages in this just webinar that you put out there in the world that I happened to see because I think maybe I was on your email list or something. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I happened to see this and this was a huge aha moment for me of um, I had been listening to communication in my own body and learning about that and whatever, but I wasn't standing in my truth to apply this to my son, you know, to my child as a mother because I was scared and because there, I didn't feel like there was a resource to me to give me the empowerment to feel like this was safe and um, appropriate for my child. Like I just, 
it was like I knew it, but I didn't know how to. So that brought me into Femme, um, Fiercely Empowered Mama. And even the name uh, changed my life, you know, changed the way I was uh, showing mm-hmm. up to my son. Um, and it, it allowed me to – because at the time, too, um, I had some really strong beliefs about vaccinations and about um, – not vaccinating. I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm pro, uh, yes. pro choice, make your choices, you know, but for me personally, like yes. yes, was I did not want to vaccinate my son because I had been reading about each individual vaccination. And yes. I um, was thinking, yes. well, you know, maybe there's a place for this one, you know, this, I think it was a meningitis vaccination. For some reason I thought, no, maybe he needs this one. And that was where I, um, when I got into Fiercely Empowered Mama, I thought, you're questioning this because you still want to fit in a little bit, you know, like you still want to fit in your truth, but you also want to have like that bridge to support others that are standing in their truth. You know, like it it was wishy-washy. That's what you said in other, um, in other experiences with you. I remember you saying you're being wishy-washy, um, not maybe directly to me, but (laughs) you know, um, I have the tendency to want everyone to just, uh, be able to see each other on a level of um, uh, compromise, I guess. But now I realize mm-hmm. that level of compromise is standing in your truth and accepting others standing in theirs, you know? So with Fierce yes. Mama, I learned oh, that, powerful. Yeah, I just learned so much more about viruses and our body's communication and how to apply that as a mother. And and that was so much more because I had this group of connected individuals that when I was doubting myself, I was able to connect with you and other mamas that were feeling the same thing. Um, so on top mm-hmm. of the knowledge and, you know, laying it all out there so I didn't have to search all over for this information. Um, and, you know, you met with us each week, you came on live and we were able to ask you questions um, so we could sift through the information more effectively. Um, and that, I think, it did so much more than just empower me as a mom and empower me as um, living in this natural, uh, holistic uh, balance with myself and my life and my choices. Um, it it empowered me to to apply that to all parts of my life, to myself, to showing up as me and sh- and and getting in tune with my core values and my beliefs and being able to say this is my belief and I'm okay with that. Like I'm happy with this belief. I'm strong yes. in this belief and I'm okay with you having your own beliefs and I can still love you, you know? So yeah, that's that. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, I, yeah, so much. I love that so much. You know, something that I'm personally working through and it will be a, an upcoming podcast is, you know, having these convictions because there is a truth, right? Like there is a truth and it's not wavering in that truth. It's holding that truth because it's so important, especially right now um, that we work with truth (laughs) because there is a truth. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, having neutrality Mm -hmm. and that's such a, um, I'm such a work in progress, right? Yeah. Because it's like, there are like, you know me, I'm so convicted in things. And, um, but having that, that conviction that creates resistance, right? That's not yeah. going to serve anybody or struggle. 
that's not going to serve anybody. So how can we be convicted and also still neutral, which ultimately means that we're, our hearts are open and we're working with compassion Yeah, and that's certainly going to invite more compassion. So I just, I just love everything about that right now. Um, so, so speaking of now and the times of now, um, are there any particular fears that you find yourself working through right now that are relevant to this conversation? Yeah. I mean, I still have a lot of fears. I mean, even uh, for example, sending out that email or accepting the opportunity to come onto this (laughs) podcast was terrifying for me. Pushing send, putting those words out Mm -hmm. there, telling, exposing myself, being vulnerable um, to say, this is me. Mm -hmm. I, I was terrified of the response that I would get. And I realized that fear is controlling me and that fear um, was causing me. So every time, (laughs) every time there was, for example, right now, a new um, executive order creating more isolation, I I felt terrified of what that meant for me, you know, what what that meant for me mentally, what that meant for me in my business, what that meant for – my family's future, you know, and that fear was controlling me and controlling the narrative of my life and how I was showing up because I was angry, you know, and I used Mm -hmm. my ego to bury my fear a little bit, um, to ignore that fear and to say, I'm fine, you know, I'm fine and I'm going to be angry about it, you know, um, but or to to practice secrecy, I, um, when I would see people in public and I wasn't wearing a mask, I would just be neutral, you know, like, oh, like not say that I forgot it, but just assume like, oh, they think I forgot it or something, you know? So that's basically hiding myself. Yes. Right. You know, to make other people not feel uncomfortable and to make other people not um, shun me, I guess. Not, so I I wanted, I was afraid, you know, friends or, you know, clients or people I was connected to would look at me and say, oh, oh, this, you know, you're going to do this or whatever, you know, and I didn't want that. I wanted them to still accept me and, you know, be my friend, I guess. Uh, And so I was living in this fear. And then I, you know, just with this last week, just with this calling, I woke up in the night crying about these words that I needed to write down and I needed to send out and I needed to say, Mm -hmm. you know, this is one of the reasons why, you know, and, um, I had to acknowledge where that fear was coming from. And um, I think the fear, a lot of it was coming from um, not not wanting to uh, not be accepted or not be supportive to others, um, but also realizing that I would have to be supportive to myself. I would have to accept that I deserved the same compassion that everyone else deserved. And I think for me, that's really hard. Yes. Um, but that's been what motivates me that I, I tell my students, my yoga students all the time, um, you, you have to give yourself compassion and that compassion will spill over to others. Um, and I had to accept mm-hmm. that I was not living that, you know, and um, that was yeah. a big fear. So, so many fears so that I'm working through now and that this big step has been so freeing, you know? Um, yeah. So that's, I, you know, fear, we talk about this often in femme, you know, it's like the first, you know, 
you learn about viruses, right, mm-hmm. as part of that pre-fem, and then we dive into fear because mm-hmm. it's so relevant that all of us right now in all different capacities are having our emotional wounds uh, come to light or come to the surface yes. and being triggered by the fear that's so dense around us that's just waiting to snatch us up into it. Um, you can't watch mainstream media without having a limbic response, right? Like yeah. without having your your system go into like, I'm not safe, right? Like yeah. I'm not safe. And that's just an invitation for ego to take over. And I keep going back to, you know, there's so many different theories and so many different this and that. And it's so not relevant to what's mm-hmm. staring us in the face, yeah. which is to do our internal yep. work. And to show up to our assignment. And I just like that was the other part of what spoke to me so much in your email was that I saw you uh, putting yourself out there. I saw you having to overcome your fear um, to do that. And I also knew that it was you answering the call. And that is what I freaking live for, right? Like I to see a woman answer the call is like everything. And so, um, truly part of your assignment. So I I want you to dig into a little bit more about, um, you know, we've kind of touched a little bit here and there on the email, but can you just kind of like walk us through like general, the essence, and then, and then really, um, you know, hit home on why human connection right now is so essential. And of course I have my, my own feedback on that too, but I want to hear from you. It's always so nice to have like the different perspectives too, because I'm coming at this from a mental health side. So the, the email, Mm -hmm. the email that I sent out, basically, you know, I, I talked about, uh, ah, let's start here. So, um, the, the, Top of the email, I uh, sent out some graphics. So a graphic that has been seen everywhere. I, uh, my husband and I decided to take an impromptu trip to Traverse City because this was a place where I could get away, you know, get away from all the fear, get away from all the yeah. anger that I was feeling. Yes. So we went to Traverse City and with just the intention of taking our little guy to the beach and being outside and whatever. And on every single street corner, there was this sign and it had four corners um, and it said, wear a mask wash your hands, uh, social distance, and be kind. And I was really triggered by this um, because I felt like, Mm -hmm. so is it saying if I'm not wearing a mask, I'm not able to be kind or that people shouldn't be kind to me? Um, is it saying that if I'm standing too close to someone that, that they don't know is my husband or whatever, that, that someone can judge me and say, you know, I don't have to be kind to you because you walked a little too close, you know, or, or, you know, mm-hmm. wash your hands. Yeah. Wash your hands. That should be a given, you know, wash your hands if they're dirty, but don't flatter yeah. yourself in, in, uh, alcohol, you know, <laughs> alcohol sanitizer. Whatever. Right. You know, I, I had a lot of big feelings about this sign and, and I think that was the start of this awakening. But um, uh, I realized uh, that I wanted to put this out there. Like, are these um, – is this a catch-22? You have to have all of them in order to have one of them. Can we can we be kind if you don't have mm-hmm. all of them? Um, and so that's kind of how I started the email. And I went into um, – you know, that I had suicidal thoughts at uh, the age of seven. And I kind of moved this forward into my why that we talked about a little bit. Um, and then I moved it into, you know, uh, the suicide rates. So the suicide rates on the CDC website, because that's what everybody's going to right now, right? We're looking at statistics from some, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. So 
obviously I still have a little bit of feelings about that. So, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the um, 2017 are the most accurate, supposedly the most full, full statistics. And it said that, you know, uh, 20, almost 20% of uh, ages, I think it was 10 to 24, um, the, the 20% of people that died through those ages um, were were deaths by suicide. And that is huge. And that's 2017. So, and then moving into 2018, there are statistics saying that suicide is now the second leading cause of death for people from ages 10 to 34. And that gave me chills just knowing that. And this is all pre-social isolation, pre-mask wearing, pre-all of this, like uh, social media bullying. Right now everyone's arguing and fighting. This is all before all of this fear, like fear, the very lowest vibration that you can have. All of this fear has been, you know, we're inundated with it. Even if we don't want to be afraid, we're afraid of what the world is going to look like. You know, there is this fear. And so I moved it into, you know, the suicide rates and how we just need to be awake to that. And we need to be awake to not being able to to see someone's illness. We don't know. And, and it's not our responsibility to know why someone is choosing what they're choosing, you know? So why someone is choosing not to wear a mask. We don't need to know. We don't need to know that they're suffering from panic yes. attacks or anxiety or or we don't, we don't need to know that they have post-traumatic stress disorder because someone came up behind them and suffocated them and raped them. You know, like we don't need to know that because right. they might not be ready to share that with us. Yes. But that's not our responsibility to shake yes. our heads and to judge them because it doesn't fit our narrative, you know? And, and it's the same in the opposite direction. Like we don't need to know why someone can't leave their house because they are living in fear of a virus right now. Like that is where they're at in their journey. And I'm not going to judge you because you're afraid. You know, I think, I think this is an awakening mm-hmm. moment for you too, you know, for, for the people that feel like, you know, I, I can't take off my mask even when I'm alone in my car. I am not judging you. Do you want to know why? Because I feel like you are mm-hmm. feeling the same panic and the same fear that I am feeling when I, or the, not the fear that I feel like if I put on this mask, what does this say about me owning my truth? You know, um, if I put on this mask, I might have a panic attack for a variety of reasons, you know, but you can't take off your mask for a variety of reasons also. And that's where the compassion side of things come in. You know, we don't know someone's why or where they're at in their journey. And even though I might be angry about the narrative, I need to show the same compassion to everyone, where regardless of where they're at in that journey. And so this is what my email basically was saying is, is we need to find kindness and find compassion regardless of our truth because that person is uncovering their truth and me included. You know, I, um, I, I want to say the reason I sent this email out was because of the experience after the executive order in Michigan came out that we um, are required – to wear masks in in anywhere we go, I no longer could um, feel like I could uh, fly under the radar going into Meijer or to the grocery store without a mask. But I also, I need that in my life. I need to go purchase my own groceries. I need to um, have this routine, have this human connection. And so um, I thought the, you know, we needed groceries. I needed to go in and get a few things right now. So I went yeah. to the grocery store and 
um, there was someone sitting outside with a giant sign to turn me away essentially. And I, I was shocked about the fact that I was, I was the visceral response I was having. Cause I thought, you know, if I had to put on a mask, I could do it. Like I like to try to feel strong in my own mental health and think if I had to do something, I could do it, you know? Um, but when I walked up to that door, I was shaking. Like I felt like my legs were going to collapse out from underneath me. I didn't know if I was going to throw mm. up or burst into tears. And I was, I didn't know why, mm. you know, um, is this, is this really mm. about a mask, you know? And so the woman reached mm-hmm. out and said, here, do you need a mask? And I, um, I can't even describe the feelings that I felt. And I put my hands up, like, stop, you know? And I said, I can't, I can't wear a mask. And she just looked at me and she sat down and she said, go ahead. And so then I'm walking through, um, I had to stop and like catch my breath and I'm walking through the store yes. and I'm trying to unpack this, like, what was that? You know, like, is this really about a mask? Yes. What is, what is happening? You know, and I'm trying to collect myself. And this is kind of where a huge eye-opening experience, like, what am I afraid of? And it's, it's, you know, I'm afraid that if I, I'm not standing up for myself, then I'm not standing up for anyone else. And, and, you know, then it's coming into my mind, like all of these different people that I've encountered that don't have the strength that I'm telling myself that I have you know? Yes. Um, yes. And then I realized like I'm, a, I'm walking through the grocery store with my head down. I'm, I don't want to make eye contact. I don't want to smile at anyone, which has always been, you know, you know, my, my purpose, like to give people that smile, people that are suffering. And now all of a sudden I'm afraid to do mm-hmm. that because of the response that I might receive. And, um, I'm making myself small. I'm making my purpose small. And, and unpacking this fear yes. made me realize I need my purpose is needed right now. You know, I am needed right now, and I need to give myself this compassion. I need to stand up to this fear. And this fear is going to be my motivator, you know? So I started to look up mm-hmm. and I exited the grocery store. I walked up to the woman and I said, Thank you. I said, Thank you for being kind to me. Because I felt like people are probably not kind to her. The people that don't want to wear the masks are probably yes. kind to her and that she didn't choose to sit there. She didn't choose to say, I'm going to be yes. mask control, you know? And this is a situation that we've been put in in this world that is difficult. And, um, and it's not the time for us to go against each other and to judge each other and to, um, you know, uh, shame each other. This is the time for us mm-hmm. to say, I want to empower you to unpack your fear, you know, because I am going to yes. be doing the same thing. I am going to be unpacking my fear regardless of what that, what's triggering that, you know? Um, you know, I, I want mm-hmm. to think that this, you know, all these traumatic experiences or these huge experiences in my life that have been life-changing um, are similar to right now. Like the world is changing because of fear, or because of this huge experience. And I, I yes. think that with that, um, you know, this is our opportunity to say, you know, why are we afraid of a virus? What are we not confident with in our own bodies, in our own immune system? What don't we know? What have we been, um, you know, just kind of never had to open our eyes to? Um you know, I've said a lot yes. of times in uh, 
in different emails and things to clients just recently just saying like, you know, I'm excited about this. People are actually talking about buying food from the farm. You know, food's my thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. excited that, um, you know, the grocery store doesn't have meat available because this is giving people the awakening of, hey, this meat that you're eating is, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into that, but like this is not nourishing to you. Yeah. And, you know, this is, you know, there's just such this huge pathway that I went down and I feel like, wow, I'm excited that even though this is not the narrative that I hoped for, people are opening their eyes to, I do need to take care of my immune system. What can support my immune system? I can't tell you how many friends that have, you know, no desire to, uh, um, kind of live unprocessed or whatever, um, have said, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I got a sourdough starter, you know, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, so I feel like, okay, this is such an opportunity for us to be compassionate towards each other. Because if I meet someone with anger because they are following a narrative that I don't believe in, I need to meet them with compassion and allow them to see, you know, I'm suffering in the same way as you are just with a different narrative, you know? And so if we can meet each other with that connection, then, you know, that is where we can, we can change the, the narrative so that we can live peacefully together. Like I'm not asking you to, to take on my beliefs and my visceral reaction to a mask. I'm asking you to be compassionate towards me and allow me to give you compassion, even though, you might not agree with my beliefs. Like that's okay. Accept my compassion because I know you're suffering just as equally as I am suffering, you know? Um, and maybe suffering is is not the right word, but that's the word I have right now. So, um, right. Yeah. yeah. And so with, you know, human connection in general uh, and the isolation portion of all this, I just, What's come to me and what I've I've found myself bringing into my uh, yoga classes and meditations is is the idea of six senses. Like uh, we have five senses that are recognized: so sight, sound, touch, taste, smell, and then we have that sense that you and I just talked about with em- em- empaths. Um, that the energetics, yes, you know, and that's a sense that maybe people don't talk about as much, but you have that feeling, that gut feeling. You have the feeling of a warmth or a chill that comes over your body. Um, you have this energetic sense. So we all have these six senses. And when we're isolated in our homes alone and on doing everything virtually, basically we're just using sight and sound. That's all we're using. So we're letting go mm-hmm. of touch, smell, energetics. Like we don't have that connection. And those connections are given to every single person for a reason, you know? And so I feel like mm-hmm. this is coming to me for my classes to just give people that moment on their mat to feel the sensation of touch or to notice what taste they have in their mouth or what smell or or what energy they feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And when we are isolated from human connection and we don't allow those, that also affects our immune system. So from a food perspective, we've, from my uh, natural food chef perspective, taste, there's um, a lot of components to taste on your tongue. And each of those components stimulate a different organ system. So when we have something bitter, it stimulates our liver, you know? And so, so if you think about Mm -hmm. it from that standpoint, you know, we were given all these tastes to stimulate our organ systems. It's the same as being given all these senses to stimulate our, our system as a whole. And our human connection allows us to really tap in to all of those senses 
And that is, I believe, what um, stimulates also our immune system and our body to function as it's supposed to. And, you know, when we take that away, even putting, and I don't want to push my um, my mask beliefs, but leaving, even putting that uh, cloth over your nose and mouth doesn't allow you to smell. It doesn't allow you to taste even, you know, yes. it doesn't allow you to speak. Yes. Um, it, it covers your voice. It yes. covers that that the gift of sound, you know, it doesn't allow you to hear properly. And so, you know, all of this, I just feel like being aware of it and allowing yourself to feel those senses and to even um, make eye contact with someone or to, you know, if someone drops something that, that humanity where we go to pick it up, you pick it up for someone because that is Mm -hmm. our way of regardless of what color or what um, race or what background they have. Like you pick it up because it's the the thing to do and it connects you with them. It makes you a human, you know, makes you kind. We're afraid to do that. And where is that fear coming from, I guess? So I'm kind of – I'm getting a little excited and and passionate, but uh, I just think there's so much more to it than just looking at it from a do you or don't you perspective, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I get so fired up too of just knowing of this, this true knowing that, you know, community is a sacred part of immunity and having social isolation, isolation is, uh, you know, has direct implications on health and wellness and absolutely is harmful to our immune system. And so, So then that brings us to like, okay, so what's really going on here? And that can open, you know, like clearly this is not about a virus and this is not about health. So what is this about? And then that can send me in a spiral. So it's like just having, you know, like being aware, but also doing the work that, that we can, that we can do, which is working. Like you said, like, this is such an invitation to be working through our stuff right now. Like work through your stuff, work through your stuff some more, like don't stop working through your stuff because the more that we can work with love and work with kindness, that is what's ultimately uh, the medicine for the planet. And so with that, I would love to know um, how you are staying grounded uh, and staying connected um, during these times. Is there anything more that you're finding yourself needing to do? Yeah. Um, I don't even know how long this all has been going on, but I want to say about a month in, I realized I wasn't staying grounded and that I was, you know, reacting uh, in a lot of negative ways to all of this. So the first thing I did was I realized um, I needed that human connection and I got in contact with my clients and just kind of said, you know, can I um, – can I do the virtual thing with you initially? And then I created some ways where I could uh, connect in person um, with things. So I think that was helpful, finding my routine, finding my balance back again um, to reconnect with people where I could offer. So I I teach yoga and um, meditation and food classes, and I needed to be able to have a purpose, I guess, have the purpose to teach those things because it allowed me um, the ability to tune into myself a little bit better because I had to um, think about it myself in order to teach it. So I guess that was a way of me Mm -hmm. um, offering support to others was a way for me to tune into myself and see where I needed that support. 
Um, so I think that was helpful. I uh, make sure I get outside every day. I put my feet on the earth. Uh, we are not we we're not watching TV. We're trying to really limit social media. We're um, you know, trying to stay out of the things that are creating reactions or being aware of the things that are creating reactions. Um, my husband and I are keeping each other accountable in the places where when we are getting angry or have a poor experience and that's really affecting us, we um, give each other the space and maybe uh, the compassionate or kind words to say, how can this be a teachable moment? How can we offer compassion to that mm-hmm. side? And that raises our vibration. I would say by um, – even if we're angry and we say, I don't want to hear that right now. You know, I don't want to do that right now. Like we're resistant. Mm-hmm. We kind of tap into mm-hmm. that a little bit and say, okay, you know, I need a minute. I need to get outside, put my feet on the ground, have the sun on my face, and then I can maybe consider the kindness and the compassion Um Uh, For specifically when I know I'm in a reactive or a fearful state of what I'm going to experience when I go somewhere in public, because I think for me, it's really important for me to get in public and have uh, human connection, regardless of where that is. I might call ahead and say, hey, this is my truth, because I don't want to show up when I'm in fear and then have myself shrink my truth, you know? So sometimes it's helpful to call ahead and say, hey, I can't wear a mask. Um, what are my options? And uh, at a few places they've said, okay, just come in and let them, if anyone asks you, let them know that you called and you can't, you know, or uh, standing in my truth and sharing my message, you know, being able to say, this is my why and I um, hope you accept me as much as I accept you. I think uh, that as difficult as it has been, has really kept me grounded or or has allowed me to feel connected with myself and in and offered a more authentic connection with others. Um so and and I think too like when I do have those moments where I'm angry and then I smile and I respect the other person without judgment. Like I let go of that judgment and say stop. Like I tell myself stop judging that person because they are on a journey too. Um, mm-hmm. when I, I can yes. viscerally feel when I am judging someone, the feeling I feel is not good. It's very, um, heavy and ugly. Um, and when I switch that to compassion or kindness or accepting that that person is potentially suffering or going through the same fear as I am, that kindness completely changes the way my body feels. And I think when we're yes. operating from a place of that higher vibration, that higher feeling, it also feels nourishing. It feels like I can now accept all the things that my body needs to nourish my immune system, you know, um, or, you know, not even immune system, just my system in general, but, you know, that nourishment. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like those those things are keeping me grounded and and also the practice of gratitude. I know I, I want to say it was your very first podcast. I want to say it was your first podcast. Um, maybe it was your second, but where you talked about those steps, uh, making those promises to yourself um, and choosing a few, yes. you gave a list of a few things that you could choose. Um, I have actually probably each week gone through everything on the list. Like I've chosen different things each week. I don't know if that was mm. instructions. Yeah. I did that. And I think each of those, like um, meditating for five minutes, uh, getting outside, uh, you know, 
all of those have raised my vibration and reminded me that I can stay grounded and reminded me that in this time of difficulty, there's such an awakening that I need to be grateful for. So having that gratitude practice and being grateful, you know, being grateful for the difficulties because they bring change and they bring um, so much power yes. behind them. So yeah. Yeah. I find it so helpful to imagine, you know, the world in that contraction stage right now, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not pretty, it's hard, it hurts, um, but it's spaced so poetic to where we do have um, room to breathe. And so that's like the biggest thing that I, I want people to know is that, you know, everything of what you're saying resonates so deeply to me uh, for, for multiple different reasons. I guess first is I love the Abraham Hicks uh, quote where she says, you know, we don't live in a punishing world. We don't live in a rewarding world. We live in a mirroring one. And when you talk about when we work with judgment, we experience judgment. And when we work with love and kindness, then we experience uh, love and kindness in return, right? Like if we have judgment, we're going to attract more judgment. So if you're, you know, going into the store and you're angry about it, and you're judging people who are wearing the mask, um, you know, you're going to be met likely with judgment mm-hmm. back. And if you practice what Shannon just shared with us, like when you change that, like you have a full energetic change in your being, which then changes your frequency and then changes the circumstances that you attract. Mm-hmm. Like it is the law. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, as the earth is contracting right now and preparing for this new earth, and uh, it, it's like, uh, even with contractions of birth, I know most of the, the women listening to this are our moms and going through that, like there, they are, when we allow it to happen naturally, right? There are periods of rest and there's periods of like, oh, like it's not so bad. Like I can do this, right? Like there's those moments And so even in the chaos of what's happening right now, um, it is so possible and necessary for us to continue to work with joy, to continue to have bliss in our life and to expand our capacity for more bliss. Like we still are living in an abundant universe. So like these things don't fall the wayside. It's not like, oh, you get to have what you want, period, except for in a a state of a pandemic, right? Like that's not what the law says. Mm -hmm. Like it says you get to have what you want, right? Like if you have a true desire, it's meant to be yours. Um, It just might look differently from how it would have previously uh, manifested, right? Like things change. Like I know even you, it's like you uh, finally took the leap on yourself and rented a space, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, and then you were met with this, like, I got to pivot, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but it didn't change I saw you actually step greater into your power in that pivot moment, right? Like absolutely, your impact was still there. It just looked different. Yeah, yeah. It it I I resonate with all of this. You know, just I think allowing and and allowing yourself to surround yourself with like we we can't always uh, function uh, perfectly in saying. Uh, give yourself compassion if you're not feeling the love and kindness. If you're if you're operating right now from a place of anger, accept that this message is coming to you for a reason and surround yourself with people like I came yes. to you and I said, hey, Tanya, uh, I am in this place of 
um, kind of confusion and this is where I'm at with renting the space and I, I feel like this is a bigger pivot moment and just being around your energy and uh, listening to your words allowed me to step into that in such a more powerful level. Mm. And so, yeah, so I just think not only um, um, being aware of that, but but surrounding yourself with people that are vibrating from a level that you want to be in, yes. you know, um, manifesting, but yes. also uh, creating that connection, you know, because that's how we yes. get there. <laughs> Yes. I mean, that that's so, I love how you say it. There's such a potential right now to like, to like catch somebody's wave or however that saying is like, where you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're in the space of high vibing people, it's so much easier for you to like, you know, um, shift into that energy and like vibe with mm-hmm. that. Like, so do that. Like, certainly if you are surrounding yourself um around negative people it's going to be far more taxing for you to shift through the mud right or people who are so angry like yes anger is a beautiful catalyst for change and there's certainly a need for that Mm -hmm. but also to like take it deeper like keep going like keep working um yeah uh it's all so relative right now and I know you say oh my goodness I could can talk to you for like hours (laughs) oh go ahead so often to like uh accept the calling I think that's kind of a way that you often say it, but also um, when you, you feel this thing come to you, this power come to you and it's going to be hard. It's not like your intuition is always going to be comfortable. It's something that is often uncomfortable. And so when you feel this vibration, this calling, this higher energy, just do it. Because even for me, the way things have just started to fall together, even though I've stepped into things that are really, really difficult, like things that I wouldn't have, um, (laughs) I would have never expected I'd send an email to my list saying I had suicidal thoughts at seven. You know, I never thought I would even say that out loud. And the fact that now I've said it a this podcast and it feels like I can say it like that um and that and that maybe it's helping someone else like that's not a path I envisioned for myself like I manifested this vision of being this person that I want to have purpose and I want to help others and I want to offer all of this but I didn't envision that this was the way it would happen so so stepping into that like hearing that calling and accepting it and just doing it and just taking the leap is so huge. And I hear you say that so often. And I think the more I hear you say it, the more I just do it. And so that's, mm. again, like coming together, having connection, but also listening, you know? You know, there's so much egg, uh, like so much, um, what is the word? What are, I don't know the word I want to use, but the, the wishy-washy energy that mm-hmm. people hang out in causes way more dysfunction um, then, then actual, like when you make that quick, quick, decisive and take action, like when you do that, like you step in your power and you feel that and you expand and then you can do it again and you can keep doing it on bigger and bigger and bigger things. But the more that we wait, the more that we, we convince ourselves we need to think about it. And the more we just stay paralyzed, right. And we don't listen, the more friction and dysfunction shows up in our lives. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know where or when I read it. Uh, I've now have seen it in multiple different places, but it was this like, under, it was like the first time I heard it was like remembering because it was like, if you don't take action, when you know you're being called to something, mm-hmm. um, if you continue to do this, you're eventually going to call in like a smackdown, like a mm-hmm. timeout, like, yeah. um, you know, 
and I, and I instantly went like, holy shit, like if I don't do this, like I could get in a car accident <laughs> or something yeah. that's going to be like that wake up call. I'm like, why, why would I want to put myself through that? Like, let's yeah. go. Like, I get it. I'm going, yeah. I'm listening, you know? I feel like I've um, experienced that. Because I, I that just, much. yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, so, so much here. Um, so, I mean, truly, yeah, I could I, I could talk to you for hours. Is there anything else you that you want to uh, make sure, um, you know, the Fiercely Awakening listeners have from you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, thinking about what brought this brought, – brought us together on this podcast, I guess thinking about my email, um, just about stigma, about kindness, about everything. So – Um, stigma with mental health. I just want to say that, um, the number one reason that someone would not reach out for help is, uh, because of stigma. So, um, the number one reason if somebody Mm -hmm. needs help and, and is suffering and doesn't see a way out of the pain, the number one reason why they would not reach out for help is because, uh, they don't want to be judged, you know? And so maybe taking that Mm -hmm. with you, know that you are saving lives yes. in a lot of different ways by being kind, by raising the vibration, by raising your own vibration, by showing compassion to yourself. Yes. The way we treat ourselves, tell, what we tell ourselves, how we move ourselves, how we feed ourselves, that all determines our vibration and the energy that we put into the world. Yes. And knowing that you know, if we're operating from a place of fear, we're operating at the lowest vibration. And not only can we not yes. save ourselves, but we can't, you know, we can't save others. And I think a lot of people operate from a place of, Ugh, I want to help yes. someone else. And so maybe just knowing that, knowing that kindness increases your energy, yes. we're made of energy, living authentically, uh, it raises your vibration and you are worth raising your vibration. You are worth um, operating in a world that you want to live in. Um, And this is our opportunity, this time of big change. And, and so step into it. I guess that's, that's my biggest thing. Like accept others, show kindness to yourself and others and um, operate, vibrate higher, right? That's what we say, like vibe higher. Um, Yes. That's, that's the message I I really, really want to send um, to everyone. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I love all of that so much. It is so time. And, and honestly, where we are going is earth is forced to increase our vibration, which means that ultimately every single individual on this planet is going to come to that fork in the road. That's like either you raise your vibrations or you don't, or you're not part of the new earth. And I know that sounds like dark and gloomy and like really (laughs) deep, but when we think about it, just like intellectually, it's like, okay, earth is raising. And so if you want to stay here, we need to, you to be raising too. And, and you doing this work, like is worth, um, you know, a million who are not right. Mm -hmm. Like you, how do I say this? Like a person who is harmonizing their system is enough to like take a million with them, right? Like yeah. it's yeah. so critical. Like we're so much more powerful than what we think. Mm-hmm. And um, it is the path. It is the way through. Like this is the only way. Like there, yeah. there's multiple ways for it to happen, yeah. but there is only one way through, which is doing this work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just love you. I thank love you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will have your contact information as part of the show notes. So for anybody who wants to further 
connect with Shannon. I highly encourage you to be part of her community, to be part of her news list, to be part of her following, because I know she's on a mission right now and we're just beginning to get a taste of it, of, of where we're going on this journey with her. And I am just so grateful to, um, to be doing this work with you. It's just yeah, it's such a powerful connection. And I just so appreciate that. Thank you so, so much for, for having me on the podcast, but mainly just for supporting me and for, um, allowing me and encouraging me to use my voice and um i really 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 Mm. appreciate and love you and i'm so glad that we are connected so thank you me too girl so much so much love to you all right bye everyone thank you so much thank you thank you thank you thank you for tuning in today's episode if you loved your time with me please subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes so I can keep bringing you the good stuff. And then come say hello by joining me in our private Facebook group, Love Yourself Fiercely. Cheers to you for seeking truth and fiercely awakening.